to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You are listening to episode 102 with Andrea Lennon. We're so excited she came on our show today. She's an Arkansas girl, and she's actually the women's ministry specialist for Arkansas Baptist Convention. She has such great words of wisdom for us today. What were some of your favorites, Jill? Well, I think if you grew up in the church, you're going to know um, the when she talks about is your identity in being the good girl, the Bible study girl, or is your identity really, really in Christ? I thought that was, for those of us that grew up in this, I think that was very meaningful. Mm-hmm. And really, in a nutshell, the heartbeat behind what she does, the passion of Andrea's life is to know God and make him known. And she shares beautifully today. She's going to talk about being adopted and what that means for her, her own identity, um, her struggle with being called into ministry and her struggle with dyslexia. So we are really glad you're here today to enjoy this episode and we hope you listen in. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Robin and Jill. I'm so excited to be with you and with your listeners. We're excited you're here today. Thanks for making time to just carve out and talk with us and tell us about your life and how the Lord's faithfulness has changed your life. And we would love to be introduced to you. Just All right. a little bit about you to start off. All right. Well, let me start with I'm an Arkansas girl, but I love Oklahoma. I know that you two are in Oklahoma and I love to visit Oklahoma. Uh, Born and raised here in Arkansas. I live in Conway, Arkansas, which is in central Arkansas. Married to my husband, Jay. We've been married for 26 years, which we just are so thankful for. We have two boys. Jake is 22 and he doesn't actually live at home anymore. So we're approaching the empty nest because our second son is 18 and headed to college. So um, it's just a new season of life. And we are so thankful, uh, loving all the opportunities that we have just to explore new seasons uh, and to kind of enjoy empty nest in uh, as a couple. So uh, we're excited about that. I uh, work for the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. I serve as the women's ministry specialist for our state. And so I have the privilege to uh, invest in churches and women's ministry leaders and to uh, really help our state um, understand what women's ministry is and what it looks like in the local church context. And so a lot of leadership development in that lane, event planning, gathering women, networking, resourcing. And so I'm very honored to, to do that. I also have a ministry ministry that is my own ministry that's called Andrea Lennon Ministry. And um, there's three different branches of that ministry, Andrea Lennon Live, which is my live events, True Vine Publishing, which offers written and digital products, and then Girl on the Go Community, which is the places and spaces where we gather to know the truth, live the truth, and share the truth. And so I'm very passionate about the Word of God. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. I'm so thankful that we can um, be transformed in the way that we think and in the way that we act into the very image of Jesus Christ. And as I share my story with you, you'll hear the passion in my heart for women to know God and to make Him known. It has radically changed my life, and I've given my heart um, to serving women and encouraging them to know the Lord and serve him. I love it. I love it. I I heard one of the things that you were saying, I kind of perked my ears up because it's a sweet connection. My dad's dad grew up in Conway, Arkansas, my papa. Really? Yes. So that is a fun and sweet little connection. My papa has been in heaven for many years, but um, he's so dear to me. And I love it that you share a hometown. That's so fun. So 
and your pastor. You need to come see us in Conway. It looks a lot different now than probably when your papa was here. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure you're right. I'm just sure you're right. Oh, my goodness. So tell us about how you and your husband met. Yes. Okay. Well, we kind of have a fun story. So we had a long distance relationship our entire dating years. We met at church, um, at my home church. His parents had moved to the town where I lived, but Jay's quite a bit, he's a little bit older than me, six years older than me. And so um, he had a younger brother that was my age, but I actually didn't know that his younger brother, Blake, had an older brother, Jay, until he came to visit one summer. And we found ourselves in the same Sunday school class because it was kind of that post high school where everybody just merges together. It doesn't matter your age. You're just like all of the people kind of merge into that one class. And so for the summer, we were just friends. Um, I write about it in my book, God in the Window. At the time, Jay had a unibrow and I just could not handle it. I was just like, I cannot date anyone that has a unibrow. Now we have taken care of that and he is so very handsome. uh, And he was even at the time, but it was just like, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. And so he actually went back to college and I started, I just missed him so much after that summer. So we started writing letters, like old school letters, like where you would go to the post office and, you know, mail it and just sit by the, you know, the mailbox and wait for the letter to come back. And so we did that for two years. We would occasionally see one another, like on a holiday or on a summer break. But our relationship and our love for one another developed over Um, just deep conversations on the phone and through letter writing. And so it was really, really sweet. Um, When we knew that we were going to get married, we'd never like been around each other for an extended period of time. And so there was some, you know, adjustments early on in that first year as we were getting to know that side of one another. But I'm telling you, it was just the Lord's will. You know, I was uh, running from the Lord at the time and Jay was just a little bit too, but God protected us uh, and he brought us together. And we just are so thankful for, you know, our family and for 26 years of just really good years together. And we're excited about many more. <laughs> and I love it. I mean, good old snail mail. You yes. Literally, did you keep them all? Do you have a, a little? I, yes, they're in bundles. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. A bundle of letters. And so it's so sweet, really, just as a documentation in a sense. And I go back and I read them and I was like, I was so young and so immature. The things that, you know, I thought were the major things were really the minor things. And so it's just neat to have those uh, and to be able to to go back and read them. It's, it's really just like a walk down memory lane. But I remember one particular day, I was just so ready for my letter and I was impatient and I could not wait for the mailman to get to our house. So I went out in my car and found the mailman in the neighborhood. And I was like, can I please have my letter? And of course, you know, Arkansas, small town, they just laughed and handed me my letter. But I also had a package that day and Jay had sent me a t- one of his t-shirts. And so I was like able to have one of his t-shirts. It was just the sweetest thing. And um, it, it really is a unique way to start, you know, a marriage or, you know, a dating relationship, but it worked really well for us. That is so sweet. Oh, and I would love to hear, tell us um, about your journey of faith and however young back you want to start with that, but how you came to know the Lord. Well, I have to start on the day I was born, which whenever I start, you know, recording a podcast or an interview and, you know, your guest starts with the day that they're born, everybody just takes a deep breath because you're like, (laughs) we're going to be here for a minute, right? But it was such a monumental day. Uh, I was placed up for adoption, um, March 11th, 1976. That was the day that I was born. I know four things about the beginning of my life. I know the day I was born. I know uh, the hospital. I know the doctor. And then I also know that I was a single birth. And those are the four things that I know about the beginning of my life. And, you know, for many years, that was hard for me. I wanted all the answers. I wanted all the details. I wanted to know all the things. But God in his goodness and grace has invited me to trust him with those and to know that he is a good God and that he has a plan and and a purpose. And even though I might not know, he knows it full well. And so the opportunity just to rest in him, to trust him, uh, to um, allow him to write my story, it's just such a beautiful opportunity to abide and to have faith. I'm so thankful to tell you that I was adopted into a Christian home. So thankful for my adoptive 
parents who are my parents. It's the picture of the gospel. As you know, I was a little baby in a hospital waiting on a family, helpless to do anything in my own, um, you know, my own strength or based on my own goodness or or um, ability. And my family and love came after me, redeemed me, rescued me, brought me into their home, gave me full free standing and made me their child. And so it's such a picture of the gospel. Uh, It was a wonderful home life. It was a wonderful family. It was an instant family. I have a brother who is two years older than me, who is also adopted. And then I have a little sister who is seven months younger than me, who is my parents' biological child, because God has a sense of humor, friends. (laughs) So. Uh, my parents went from no kids to three kids in a little less than two years, uh, was raised in the church, saved at an early age, um, six years old. I was at an old school revival uh, where, you know, every single night of the revival, there were different theme nights. And I remember on this particular night, it was kids night. And so the church opened up the doors to all the kids in the community, served hot dogs, great value chips and red Kool-Aid and shared the gospel. And it was on that day that I realized that God loved me and that he had a plan for my life and that I could place my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and I could become a child of God. And whenever the evangelist offered that invitation, I was the first one down the aisle, uh, ready to just give my heart to Jesus. And so that started the journey, um, but it wasn't always that easy. Those issues of trust, those issues of control that really were there and rooted because of my adoption, because of the questions that I wanted answers for and there was no way to get answers for. There was a bit of a spiritual tug of war over who was really going to be in charge. And I was real spiritual about it. You know, I I was really nice about it, but I really wanted God just to bless my plans and to make my life easy. And as all of us know, um, that's just not how things work out. There are struggles, there are trials, there are circumstances that are overwhelming. And so God in his goodness and grace allowed me to really get to the end of myself and to learn how to let go of control and to trust him. And that came through a series of events in my life where God called me into ministry. Um, First one was when I was 16 years old, the second one when I was 18 years old, and the third one when I was 24 years old. And so I'm so thankful for the relentless pursuit of God, uh, his love and his mercy and grace to never give up on us. But every single time it was like he was raising the stakes and it was becoming more obvious. It was becoming very clear that the plan he had for me was a plan of of vocational ministry, serving women in ministry. And that terrified me. I didn't know what that looked like because, you know, I'm 46 now, so over 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I didn't have a picture of what that would look like. And so uh, I I just was scared, honestly, and felt so um, insecure in that calling. I grew up with dyslexia, and um, so I couldn't read or write very well. And so for God to call me into a ministry position that would require reading and writing and speaking and relating and cognitive ability, that was very scary for me. Uh, But the grace of God is just all over my story, as well as your story. I know uh, where God was just going to continually show me his faithfulness. He was going to continually show me the plan. And by God's grace, I surrendered to ministry and found myself at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, working on a Master of Arts in Christian Education, was able to complete that degree, started in local church work, where I served as a minister of education, stepped out of that to start my ministry, my teaching and writing ministry, and then uh, ended up at the convention and now just serving the Lord in so many different capacities, whether that's a speaker or author or um, podcaster, radio show host, um, women's ministry specialist, columnist. It's just unbelievable all the things he has done. But I have to tell you and your listeners, all of it is on the landscape of weakness and inability. I know that what God does in and through me is his strength. It's not mine. It's not my gifting. It's not my strength. It's his power that's made uh, very, very uh, noticeable through my weaknesses and my struggles. So I don't hide that. Uh, I think it's good for us to talk about our struggles and for us just to come around um, the goodness of God in the midst of the brokenness of life. Absolutely. I just have to stop and just say, I I am so thankful for examples like you who just step out and say, yes, and you didn't know what that was going to look like. 
as an 18 year old or 16, 18, 24, when the Lord was tugging at your heart with this ministry call and you didn't know exactly what the, (laughs) the journey would be, but that's kind of the coolest part is that God just showed it to you as you went. And all of those different things that are now part of your ministry, you probably would have never seen those coming. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My mom tells the story whenever I was in third grade and the dyslexia was so debilitating. I had to go to resource classes, um, you know, special education, uh, summer school every single single summer. And we were just praying for the simplest thing like that I could write my name. I mean, that was like going to be success. And she relates now that, you know, if if anyone would have told her what I do now, you know, she probably would have said, let's not set Andrea up for that kind of, you know, disappointment. (laughs) And my mom is and was a woman of faith, but it just didn't seem realistic. It just didn't seem like reasonable, um, but God. And so it's been neat to see how he has stretched all of our faith in, um, in the calling and how, as we step out in faith, it even stretches the faith of the people around us. So it's been a beautiful journey that we've done as a family together because it has been all hands on deck. When I started seminary, my my oldest was one. And when I finished seminary, my youngest was one. And we lived in Conway. And so I couldn't you know, move to Fort Worth to the campus of Southwestern Seminary. So I attended an extension campus in Little Rock. But during the summers, I would have to go to Fort Worth to complete my on-campus hours. And a lot of time I was nursing a child because I was a mama. And so my mom would go, my sister would go, my husband would go, my dad would go, everybody would go and we would just make it work. And so (laughs) I'm so thankful for that, for the community that we have as believers and then the community that we have as, um, as a family, just the, the, just the, the tenderness of God. And I, I share this with women all the time. And like this really, this really grounds us as we know that God is faithful to put us in the right places at the right time with the right people for his right purposes. Like nothing about our life is by chance, you know, even in the trouble, even in the hardships and the trials, God is on his throne. He's working, he's moving, and he is making a way. And so uh, I just celebrate the fact that the road's been rocky and it's been hard. There's been ups and downs, but God is ever faithful. And so if you're in that season right now, as you live listen to this and you're wondering, where is God in the midst of this? Friend, let me tell you, he's right in the middle of it. And as we hang on to him, his character, his strength, his ability, his truth, he makes the way and he draws us into relationship with him. And as we put our eyes on him, he gives us the wisdom to move forward in faith. And that's my story. It's a story of faith. So you mentioned when you met your husband that you were kind of running from God. Is that, was that had to do with ministry or Yes, that had to do with ministry and control. Uh, I really wanted to stay in the safe and comfortable places. I loved the Lord. I had been the Bible study girl throughout high school. I led Bible studies. I was uh, very um, active in my church. I remember even as a 16-year-old girl serving on committees. I mean, I grew up in the Baptist world and I knew the Baptist world. And honestly, I received a lot of affirmation because I was the good girl, the Bible study girl. And Hindsight is always 2020 as we go back and we look at those things. And really, I think I was using my identity in Christ more to make me feel secure rather than my position in Christ, if that makes sense. Like, I, I really liked being the good girl. I really liked being the Bible study girl. And, and I felt like if I could just do these right things, then God would, in a sense, be obligated to do these things for me. So it was a little bit of that transactional workspace kind of thing. I do this for you. You do that for me. We all do our part and we have a happy life. And I stay in my lane and you stay in your lane. What happens in that economy is that we, whether we realize it or not, we're the ones who's at the center of it because it's our perspective, right? And it's our plans. And we're in a sense trying to, whether we realize it or not, control God. And thankfully, he's just not into that, you know? And so what what happened is whenever I was called into ministry and that was outside of my comfort level and what I felt like was my ability, I went from the Bible study girl who was all about God, but really centered more focused on myself to the girl who was running from God. And we didn't really go to church during that time. I didn't really read my Bible. 
I didn't really pray a lot because I was going to make it on my own. And so I was the center focus in both extremes. It just looked and expressed itself differently. And so that's always a caution for us, you know, church girls, uh, because we've got to ask God to peel that onion and to show us, you know, the sin in our hearts and to show us the maybe the the blind spots where we think we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it for the wrong reasons or in the wrong way. And a lot of times we normalize that, you know, because um, we've grown up in environments where that's been um, maybe accepted or that's been set as an example for us. But thankfully, God, you know, kind of comes into the middle of our mess and he reveals the sin and then he brings purpose to the pain and he provides a way forward. And so I had to get to the end of myself and I had to get to the end of doing things for myself and and hoping that God would just bless it out of this obligation to a place of grace where I realized that my value and worth and identity were hidden in Christ because I was made in his image to be in relationship with him. And that was apart from what I was doing or what he was doing in the context of the relationship. And so it was just a huge like foundational moment for me in my walk with him to go back to who he is, who I am in relationship to to him, and then walking out that truth and then watching that change my actions and my attitudes and my expressions of faith. Was it a scary yes to say, yes, I will go to seminary? Every yes is a scary yes to me to this day. (laughs) Yes, it was a scary yes. It was a scary yes, but God was, he's so faithful. The first time he called me when I was 16, uh, I'll just give you the brief synopsis so you can see how everyone, he was like turning the heat up in the kitchen, you know? So the first time it was just uh, me and him at a Bible study. I did uh, K. Arthur Precept Bible Studies as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old girl. And I sat at the table uh, with my women's ministry at my local church, which is just so beautiful as I think back to the path and plan God has. And I sat there and I, I gleaned from those ladies. I learned from the Lord and not all that time was wasted, even though you know my heart wasn't completely surrendered in that moment to his will and his purposes and plans. God planted his word in my heart. He was, he was, he was working, he was moving. Um, but I was just watching Kay Arthur on a old VHS tape back whenever we put them into VCRs, you know, and prayed that they would work. And the Lord just not audibly, but just in my heart, impressed upon me that that's what he was preparing me to do, to teach the word to women. But again, I was filtering that through my dyslexia, through my issues of control, my need to be perfect, my need to have it all together, just kind of this works-based system uh, that oftentimes would cloud my faith-based judgment. And I was like, I'm never going to tell anybody that I would never do that, you know, and then I start bargaining with God. Well, maybe I'll teach a Sunday school class if, you know, the right people are in it, you know, I'll, I'll start kind of going back and forth on that. But I never told anyone about that. Then when I was 18, so two years later, I'm sitting in a Sunday night service at my home church and the pastor is preaching on surrendering to vocational ministry. And I, I was like, I just felt the walls coming in. I mean, it's like, I, you know, that feeling when you're like, I'm the only one in the room and it's hot and it's uncomfortable and I've got to fight or flight. I got to get out of here. And so the pastor at the end of the service, he said, let's stand up. If you're sensing a call to ministry, um, come down and, and let's let us pray for you just as a church. Let us pray for you. And so they proceeded to sing 300 stanzas of Just As I Am. And I'm just holding on to the back of the pew. I'm not going down that aisle. (laughs) And I didn't. And I was the first one out of the room. And I proceeded just to try to get my mind off of it, just to forget it, just to get busy with other things. And so um, the next week I was just miserable. So I, and this is the bargaining. I mean, y'all, aren't you glad you invited me on? You're going to. Oh, no. I mean, I think because we've all three grown up as good little church girls. Okay. All been in all these places. Okay. So all the things, right. So I decided that I was going to talk to my pastor and tell him that I was sensing a call to ministry to be able to check that off my list so that I've, you know, taken care of that properly so I can move on with my life. And so the next Sunday after service, I said, can I speak with you, Pastor Jim? He said, yes. I said, you know, that sermon that you preached last Sunday, 
I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what it means, but God was just stirring my heart about that. And I just thought if I told you, you know, then I'm taking my step of obedience and, you know, that, that we can call this, you know, done. And he looked at me and he said, Andrea, I know. He said, the Lord put that on my heart for you. Well, that just, I'm like, well, now, now I'm just like, just a minute. Now God's talking to other people about me. Now this is crossing the line, right? And so <laughs> I'm just like, he, you know, God didn't even give me a chance, but he's so good. He knew I needed that accountability. So my pastor said, I want you to come to the office tomorrow, you know, call the office, let's set up a meeting. Let's figure out what is the next step. Well, I'm like barely able to breathe at this point. And so I call the office, I go the next day, and I don't really remember anything about that meeting, except for I said I was going to in quotes, pray about it, which was my spiritual way of saying, we're not doing this. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> and so, because really, and this goes back, it all ties in. I wanted the American dream. In my limited perspective at that point, as a young woman, I think I believe that if I had the husband and the kids and the minivan and the house and all the things that probably I struggled with because of my adoption early on, that it would fill that place and that that would kind of write what had started out as wrong, in my opinion. And so it was very deep. You know, it was very deep for me, but I couldn't really process that at the time. I was just like, I'll pray about that, but I'm going to kind of do my own thing. So here's another thing that I think we have to recognize. Sin has consequences. And that was sin. That was sin to not respond in obedience and faith, not to be open, not to be committed, not to, you know, just really, really genuinely pray about it. And so that led into seven years of desert wandering experience where I went from the Bible study girl to the girl who barely read her Bible. And I'm so thankful for those years now and God's protection because I know his mercy and his grace even more because we walk through that season. And so if you have a season like that in your background um, where you're just like, oh, I wish I could rewrite this or I wish I hadn't done that. Yes, let's grieve the sin in our life, but let's not miss the grace. Let's not miss how God brought purpose out of that, how he redirected us and how we know him more because of that. And I just think sometimes we allow the enemy to um, accuse and to bring the guilt and the shame and God saying, but look what, look what I'm doing in the midst of all of that, because that's a part of my testimony now that brings glory to God, that he didn't leave me in the pit, you know? And so, uh, so that seven years was, was, was hard. Honestly, it was empty. It was uh, unfulfilling, but God was letting me get to the end of myself. Um, my husband met and married during that time. We settled into a newlywed routine that really was about the American dream, the vacations, the careers, you know, all those kinds of things. And then we uh, moved to Conway, Arkansas, and we needed friends. And I just love how God's so good to take something so simple as we knew we needed friends. And I knew the church was a good place to find friends. That was our motivation for going to church. And we joined Second Baptist Church and that newlywed class just took us in. They were not going to let us go. They fought for us more than we fought for ourselves. When we missed a Sunday, we had a phone call or a piece of, you know, loaf of banana bread waiting for us, letting letting us know that they missed us. And I joined um, the women's ministry Bible studies there at that church. And before long, I found myself in the very place that I had been running from back in women's ministry, Bible studies, back opening the word of God. And I remember leaving one of the Bible studies um, and we were doing Jesus, the one and only at the time. And I was just falling in love with Jesus. And I went out to my car and I just looked up, you know, and I said, Lord, where have you been? And I remember him just impressing upon my heart that it wasn't him that moved. It was me. And just that invitation to come back. And so that set in motion the third and final call to ministry uh, where I ended up going to uh, a Beth Moore conference in uh, Memphis, Tennessee at the Pyramid. And the question of the, the night was, what if the heart changed? And I really considered, what if my heart changed? What if I was all in with God, uh, just like he's all in with me and how he had proven himself uh, time and time again, that demonstrated love of Jesus coming, living, dying, rising again. And I committed, uh, I, I'm going to be all in. And it was that night that the Lord just called me to go to seminary. And so, uh, I, again, I wish I had a prettier part of this story, but I was so terrified of seminary. I didn't know if a girl could go to seminary. I was like, but I'm a girl, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mom. And 
the Lord was just encouraging me to trust him, that he could do all of those things in my life. And so uh, we looked into seminary, found that Southwestern had an extension campus uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is only 30 minutes from my house. They had classes on Mondays. They flew professors here. All I had to do was to find childcare for my son for one day. In the course of about six weeks, I was accepted at Southwestern. My church handed me a check for $1,200, which is how much money I needed to pay for the first semester. Wow. And, and a childcare place a space came open for my son uh, in a little uh, local Christian preschool where he could go one day a week. And I found myself driving to my very first day of seminary going, how in the world did I lose control? <laughs> when did it happen? <laughs> and um, that set in motion, which I'll tell the rest of this story when we get to the question, that set in motion a real God-sized moment in my life where God was going to peel the onion and get to that frayed knot in my life. Okay, well, let's go ahead and do that. Let's talk about that. Okay, That's all right. perfect so. segue into our frayed knot. So <laughs> into let's your frayed knot. We're excited. So, so as I was driving to my first day of seminary at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, I'm driving over uh, this bridge that covers the, the Arkansas River, and it was a beautiful, gorgeous day, but I just felt the tears just like... Ah, welling up inside of me because I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I, I don't know enough. I'm not sure if I can do this. And again, that whole, I'm a girl. I'm not sure, you know, my place in all of this. And, you know, whenever you were little, you played this game, like which one is not like the other. That's how I felt on my first day of seminary because it was all guys who were all pastors and they were all super kind to me, everybody. And I have friendships to this day, but uh, there was only two girls there, myself and one other lady named Carol. And so I I slipped in at the very last minute. I didn't want to be too early and I didn't want to be too late. The class started at nine o'clock. So at 8.58, I slipped in, sat in the back of the room. And I decided as I was sitting in the back of the room, if I make it through one day of seminary, that's going to be the same as graduating with a master's degree. Like I, that's going to count. Surely that's going to count, right? <laughs> and so we had the first morning and it was great. I mean, everybody was super kind. Um, I was actually very interested in in what they were talking about and teaching. And, and I, I wasn't, uh, you know, scared to learn anything. I just wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. And so we, we had a break for lunch and everybody during the lunch break went down to the kitchen and pulled their lunches out. And the, they were just all talking and comparing ministry stories. I mean, these guys were like pastors. They were serving in local churches. And I just was, again, feeling those tears coming up. And so I decided I wanted to just kind of walk around the building and kind of get my mind off of the present reality. And so I started looking at pictures. So I'm going down the hallway of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, and most of the pictures are pictures of churches or individuals who have had significant impact in Arkansas Baptist life. And so I'm just looking at them, reading the plaques, and then I get to one picture that is very different than all the other pictures, and it was actually hanging outside of my my classroom door. And it was a picture from 1989 that was taken by the Billy Graham Association uh, when they came to Little Rock, Arkansas to War Memorial Stadium for the Billy Graham Crusade. The Arkansas Baptist State Convention had um, partnered with the Billy Graham Crusade and there was uh, probably a five-day crusade that took place there in Little Rock. And every night there was probably 50,000 people there. Well, on um, as I'm looking at that picture, I remember that when I was 13 years old, my mom took me to that crusade because Sandy Patty was singing and I loved Sandy Patty. I wasn't sure who Billy Graham was, but I knew Sandy Patty. And so my mom just told my dad, she's, I remember hearing this conversation. She said, I just feel like I've got to take Andrea to this. Like, I think she would really enjoy it. And so on that day, 13 years prior to me seeing this picture, when I was 13 years old in 1989, me and my mom had gotten off to a late start. Uh, and we got to the crusade just a tad bit late, which is how we would roll. And so all of the seats were taken. All of the seats were taken. And so when we got there, my mom said, just go to the top. And so we walked to the very top of War Memorial Stadium and we took in Billy Graham's preaching and we took in Sandy Patty singing and we took in the hundreds of people who responded to the gospel. And it was a really neat day. I didn't know at the time it was monumental or anything like that, but it was just special. It was meaningful. So as I'm looking at that picture that was taken during that time, I realized that the person who took that picture was actually standing right behind me and my mom. So me and my mom were in that picture 
that took in the 50,000 people where you could see Billy Graham preaching in the center of the field. And as I was looking at that picture, the Lord was just peeling that onion for me, (laughs) peeling it away. All the layers of trust, all the layers of control, all the layers of doubt, all the layers of shame, all the layers of guilt. And he took me back to probably the most pressing question I'd had in my life from the very beginning, which was at my birth, when it came to my adoption, who was in the window of the nursery? Who was there? You know, whenever you go to the hospital and you see that new baby and you think about all the potential that's housed in that little baby's life, you you know, there's something so meaningful about that. And it had locked in my heart that most likely no one had been in my window and that had haunted me and that had just produced some doubt and some just, just strain in my life. And as I was standing there looking at this picture that was really a bird's eye view picture, God was solidifying in my heart that God is in the window. He is in the window of your life. He's in the window of my life. He sees, he knows, he loves, he cares. And so the invitation is, will you trust me with your life? Will you trust me with my plans? And and will you believe that I'm good and that, that I'm for you and that I'm with you and that I'm making a way, even whenever you do not see the way, even when you don't understand it. And so that was such a change for me because I knew that I had to lay my life on the altar and I had to let go of control to the one who is mighty to save, to the one who has the plan, to the one who is the answer. And so that really became just a spiritual marker for me. My salvation when I was six, my calling, you know, when I was 16, 18, and then 24. And then that moment, as I was looking at that picture, realizing that I've never been without God's hand and heart and I, you know, on me as his child. And the same is true for you. And I share that story, uh, not to say, look at me, but to say, look at our God, look at how intentional and purposeful he is in all of his ways. And so I've written a book that chronicles that that's called God in the window. Uh, And it really shares about learning to let go of control and learning to, um, to just abide in the purposes and the plans and the heart that God has for each one of us. So that was definitely afraid not for me, and it was deep and it was long, um, but it was when God does restoration and redemption, He does soul deep restoration and redemption. It's not surface level stuff. He goes down and He redeems from the very bottom up, and that's what He has done in my life. It's so intentional to know that the night that you were at the Billy Graham uh, crusade with your mom, that that picture that God made sure was taken, that it was exactly that moment that you needed to see when you were standing in that hallway feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is just, I'm not ready. What am I doing? And God saying, look at the picture. Yes, you are. You're supposed to be here. That's right. And it happened to be right there by your classroom, your first classroom. That was, that's really cool. And I walked by it for three years, every Monday, as if to God, you know, God says, I know you're going to need this to be staked. And I talk about that in my teaching. There's, there's truths that we have to stake and double stake. And that was a truth that was going to have to be double staked into my life, that I could trust him, that he was with me, that he was going before, that he had a plan and a purpose, that my life was never out of control. And so it, it really was a, a real catalyst for change in my life. And there was still a lot that I had to learn after that, but it was deep ground that was being plowed on that, on that day. And so I realized that I probably had to go back to seminary the next Monday and finish out my degree. And I did, and all glory to God um, that I, I was able to complete my master's degree and graduate from Southwestern with a 4.0, which is an absolute miracle. It's awesome. That is awesome. I love yes. that. Oh, wow. Talk about that um, truth having to be staked. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah. So we, you know, at least for me, I'm so prone to believe the lies of the enemy and the lies of the flesh. And I think that our sinful hearts just open us up to deceit and to doubt and to, you know, um, just just the the, tr- the the lack of truth, you know, that that is in our minds if we don't renew our 
hearts with the word of God. And so, so staking truth into our, into our hearts and lives is identifying the lies of the enemy and the lies of the flesh, replacing it with the truth of God's word, and then living based on the truth, which sets us free. So there's different ways that we can do that. First, we have to just ask God to shine his bright light into our hearts and our minds and to reveal the sin. We have to see the sin in our life in order for the renewing process to take place. Otherwise, we just have a blind spot and we normalize it. And so we ask the Lord, show us the sin, show us, you know, the wrong perspectives, show us the wrong motives or the wrong actions. And then whenever he's faithful to do that, and he is, then we, I, at least I do, I write it out and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call that out and I'm going to confess it as sin. I'm going to repent from it. And then I'm going to go the step further, which is I'm going to go to the word of God and I'm going to find the renewing truth that helps to, the, the transformation to take place. And so then I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to call my accountability partners. I'm going to, um, you know, um, study it. I'm going to read about it. I'm going to do whatever spiritual discipline that I can do in order for that renewing to stake and double stake into my life. Because what happens is if we just have a surface level renewing, which it means it just is more about our feelings in the moment rather than a true transformation of our heart and mind. then what happens is, you know, we're just going to slowly slip back into that sin, but we want that Romans 12, two kind of renewing of the mind, that transformation, that spiritual metamorphosis that happens so that we we can test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so um, spiritual disciplines play a, a, a role in that. If you want to visit my website, andrealinenministry.org slash top 10, uh, you can download a free ebook that lists out 10 easy renewing disciplines that you can incorporate into your daily life. And those are the practical ways that I stake and I double stake truth into my life. And it's as easy as a consistent quiet time, memorizing scripture, having a prayer closet, having a balanced prayer life, um, having accountability. There's just so many creative ways that we can practice the presence of God and then also um, make ourselves vulnerable and accountable to the Lord and to others in our journey. Mm. So really good things. And the resources you just mentioned, we need to check that out. So I, I know that at Andrea Lennon Ministry, there are many different things available to all of us listeners that we can find out about. So would you tell us a little bit about maybe some of those variety of things that God's brought you to do, like the podcast and, and just various things through your ministry? Yes, I would love to. I'd love to connect with uh, your listeners uh, through the ministry. I'll just share briefly that the ministry has three branches and all of those branches offer opportunities to connect. Andrea Lennon Live, that's my live event. So I'd love to come and speak at your church or your association or your state uh, and to host a live event. We love to partner uh, with churches and with um, faith-based organizations. Just know uh, we are a Bible teaching ministry. And so uh, it's going to be about knowing the truth, living the truth and sharing the truth. So a live event is Uh, so much fun. And then Truvine Publishing, that's where you'll find the written and digital resources. You can go to the Truvine shop. I've written four books uh, that are available for purchase. They're also available on Amazon. Reflecting His Glory, which is an in-depth Bible study on Romans 12, 2, Free to Thrive, which is a 40-day devotional for women on the go based on Galatians 5, 1, uh, On the Road with Ruth, which I love the story of Naomi and Ruth, which is a chapter book. Uh, but if you purchase that chapter book and then you go to the digital library, there are six free downloadable videos that go along with that, as well as handouts. So you can make it into an entire Bible study for you or for your church for $10. So it's a great deal. And then the fourth book is God in the window. Uh, And that's the story of my life called the ministry, learning to let go of control. I'm working on a new book right now that's called On the Road with Abraham, uh, which is chronicling the life of faith uh, for Abraham. And I'm really loving digging into that. And then I have several eBooks right now. The one that's available for free on my website is Hope More Than a Feeling. And it's based on Romans 15, 13. You can go to my website, download that for free. We always have a free eBook available on the website just as a gift to you. Uh, And then my third ministry branch is the Girl on the Go community, which is where I do uh, teaching, uh, Bible teaching through a private Facebook group and also on my YouTube channel. Um, Not as much on my YouTube channel. I've got to uh, expand that, but the private Facebook group, we have about 3,500 women who gather in that group and we, uh, you know, just 
open God's word together. We share prayer requests. We encourage one another. And so that's a great group for your ladies to join if they're on Facebook. Uh, So subscribing to my website will put you on my blog list. Whenever I publish a blog, it will come to your inbox. So that's how you can connect there. There are lots of resources, and I encourage you to take advantage of any or all of those. What a wealth of resources. series this summer. Rob and I did a series on Ruth and Naomi this summer for our summer program. It was fun to kind of dig into that. I love their story. And when I was writing On the Road with Ruth, I, I mean, I just really was taken by Ruth and her, I always like to tell everybody if, you know, she she would have been in my wedding. Like, we're that tight. Like, I would have had her in my wedding. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Well, I want to ask you before we are, we're, I know we're getting close to wrapping it up today, but there's just something that I am curious to know. And, and it has to do with something that you said earlier in the episode about just um, recognizing that you have seen God work on the landscape of weakness and inability. So did you ever have a moment that you felt like God took away those struggles, like the dyslexia, or was it instead, does he work through it? Like, how did that look for you? Well, he has definitely taken away some of the impact of the dyslexia. And I I give a lot of credit to a lot of different things. First, just his goodness, Um, because where he guides, he provides. And I believe that he's not going to call us to do something and then leave us on our own to try to figure it out. And so he has really helped with the dyslexia, but I think he's worked through a number of different ways. Number one by, and I can't remember if I shared this or not. um, My parents, my adoptive parents who are my parents are both educators. And my mom was a remedial reading teacher who had training in dyslexia. And so God placing me in a family with educators who were on top of it at the very beginning. So that was a huge, you know, just praise. Another thing, like what I would learn cognitive abilities um, about like asking the questions whenever I was reading something, who, what, when, where, how, why, going to Webster's Dictionary, looking up words, forcing my mind to work cognitively, that actually mirrored what I was learning in the Preset Bible Studies with Kay Arthur. So it was bringing the educational side, what I was learning through, um, you know, public schools and resources and uh, special education into the Bible study world, which helped me to bridge the gap as I write Bible studies to use all of the tools that God has equipped me with over the years uh, to help um, with the writing process. And so I think that was a component. But I'll tell you this, and I do not have any kind of you know, um, you know, scientific research on this, but I really believe that when I started memorizing scripture, God was creating pathways in my mind for it to work. I really believe that God's word heals us and different people will have different perspectives on that. And and that's fine. We can, we can land wherever we're going to land on that. But I know that as I was serious about the word of God and getting his word into my heart and into my mind, I started thinking clearly and um, give credit to whoever you want to. I'm giving it to God um, in, in that regard. And so I think it was just a lot of different things, but a lot of the things that I learned uh, in, in you know, dealing and processing with my dyslexia, I bring into my teaching. So whenever you are reading one of my books or uh, you're at one of my live events, I will reference Webster's Dictionary because Webb was one of my best friends. I had to look everything up and I had to figure out you know, what that word meant and how to process that word in the context of the sentence or the paragraph where it lived. And so all of that has been a benefit to me. And I'm actually, and I tell this to people all the time who are struggling with dyslexia, God is forming in you fortitude because you are going to work twice as hard as the person sitting next to you. And and I do think I learned how to juggle and to multitask because I had to for survival. And so I I just think that all of that was God bringing purpose to the pain, meaning out of the mess and beauty to the ashes. And so it's a part of my story. Uh, Would I have changed it if I, if I could have? Absolutely. It was really hard, but I see the benefit of it now. And so I, 
a lot when I'm speaking to young people, especially who are sensing a call to ministry, oftentimes the message they hear is look at your strengths, look at your passions. And yes, there's a place for that. But I also say, look at those weaknesses because God shows up on the landscape of those weaknesses and he does the extraordinary, the things that we could never do in our own strength or our own power. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh, so good. (laughs) Well, would you like to give our listeners maybe one final word or one final thought before we close today or any references to um, great resources that you want to point them to or anything like that? Absolutely. You know, the word that I always end with, whether I'm um, speaking at a live event or a podcast or um, writing a a resource or a material is just the reminder that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life. I think as church people, we say that and we uh, tell people that all the time, but there's such beauty in knowing and believing that for ourselves you know, that Robin, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And Jill, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And for every listener who is listening right now, just to just to soak in that love and to soak in that grace and to soak in the plan that he has for us. And as we do that, what happens is our hearts just open up to him. And then we want his plans instead of our own plans. And so it's a beautiful uh, cultivation of faith and, and trust in our life when we get our eyes off of ourselves and maybe off of our perspectives and just get them back on him. So look up friends, um, see the grandness of our God, but also experience the intimacy and the intimacy intentionality uh, that he has demonstrated in sending Jesus to die in your place and then to give you that Holy Spirit resurrection power so you can uh, live out of his strength for his glory. So just keep on keeping on. And I would love to connect with you. Um, Visit my website, andrealennonministry.org. That is the one-stop shop for everything, including my podcast. I do have a podcast that's called Inspire on the Go. Right now we are sharing stories of hope, stories of transformation. And so it's just been wonderful hearing people's stories just similar to what you're doing here at the Frayed Knot. And it's such an encouragement to know that we're not alone. And so uh, if you are in uh, women's ministry and you want to connect with the work we're doing at Arkansas Baptist, I have to give a shout out to my sweet friend, Amy Cordova in Oklahoma, who does amazing work in Oklahoma. She's awesome. She is awesome. Um, You can connect with us at absc.org slash women. And uh, there's resources that are available there as well for women's ministry leaders. So I hope to see all of you soon. I would love to be in Oklahoma and to hug your necks and to enjoy a cup of coffee and to hear your story soon. So thank you, Robin and Jill, for having me. I really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming, Andrea. And God bless you. And thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today, everybody. We're so glad you're here listening to Afraid Not. I hope you enjoyed hearing Andrea's heart today. Something I loved that she shared is that we can learn to celebrate the rockiness of our road. It's not smooth sometimes, and it's not what we want sometimes, but God uses it. And even if it's a a landscape of weakness, He makes things beautiful. And His strength is what does that. I really love that today. And we need to make sure that we, when we have something hard, that we stake our what the truth is. We have to identify what those lies are that are coming in, seeping in from other sources or from our own brain. We need to identify those lies, get them out of there, and then find that truth and stake it so that we can remember it every time. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. We did just recently find out that we are in the top 2% of podcasts. I don't know if that happened, but there you go. That's exciting. Please continue to share our show and we'll be back again in a couple weeks. See you later, everybody.